0: Today, I sit down with Nick Cornia, who is the president of LBK Design Build. From Legos to becoming a carpenter's apprentice at age 14, Nick's passion has always been to create. Now he gets to design and build people's dream homes. And what could be better than that? Now for the conversation with Nick Cornia. Hey, Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Why don't you give everyone a quick rundown? Who are you? What's the company?
1: And where are you located? Uh, Nick Cornea here with LBK Design Build in the Doylestown, Pennsylvania area of of the metro Philly area in the tri-state area of Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey, I guess. I started LBK back in 2013, 2014, and we were really a kitchen and bath focused company. I was a small contractor with a couple of guys, and eventually I wanted to get into controlling the entire project. So I wanted to design the kitchens that we were working in and bathrooms. I also wanted to sell cabinetry and product direct. Mm -hmm. So by 2015, I opened up a small showroom. I hooked up with Wellborn Cabinets. That was our cabinet supplier relationship that we had. And since then, we took on a few other brands and we worked with other vendors and plumbing manufacturers. Moving forward, I think at some point, it was like around 2018 or so, after I joined Remodeler's Advantage, I felt like I was leaving a lot of money on the table because I had such a long construction background and history and I had so much knowledge that I would come back to clients to do repeat business and in the interim between doing their kitchen and bath, for example, they had their basement done. And I was like, you know, why didn't you call me? And they were like, well, you know, we didn't know you did you did basements and other projects. So we rebranded from a company called Luxury Bath and Kitchens into LBK design build. Hence where the LBK design, the LBK portion of it comes from. So for the last like two to three years, we've really grown in revenue size and work scope and we've taken on really cool projects. So it's been a fun journey.
0: That's awesome. So you said you started it in 2013. What prompted that? Why did you start your own business? I
1: was previously a project manager for a smaller company, and I got to work with interior designers, architects, trade partners on site. And I really liked that whole dynamic. I, I just didn't like being on the one end of the spectrum. So I was like, you know, eventually I want to start my own business and kind of. Get into that role, but before I opened up my own company, I worked for my parents. They had a smaller type of re- a remodeling business. It really didn't fare out too well. My parents re- re- really weren't great business people. I would say at the time. And as you learn when you join Ramaz Advantage and get some experience under your belt, financials are, are crucial. But at that point in 23- 2013 it was a tail end of twenty thirteen where I decided I'm like, yeah, it's time for me to go out on my own. That's how it kind of came to be.
0: That's awesome. So, what were the first like one or two years like?
1: Hell. Oh. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's great when, you, when you're when you a smaller contractor, you start doing work and you do good work and people start hearing about you like, oh, you know, Nick does fantastic work. You should look at him and hire him and you start growing a business. And again, that's where the numbers come into play. So you start learning how to wear more than one hat and then you wear too many hats and you need to figure out how to take some of those hats off your head and eventually start passing them along. But it's definitely a hard learn.
0: Yeah. It's just that classic transition of like craftsman to business owner, and there's just different skills that need to be built, you know, in that that transition. What do you think was the the biggest pivot point in your journey? Was it the transition over to design build, or was there something else?
1: There was a, a breaking point, and, and it was it was actually what had kind of really piqued my interest and got me to take that leap and and join on with Vermolar's Advantage. It was we were at a point where we were doing two to three million dollars of revenue, let's say. And I couldn't figure out where we were, lo- were losing money, where we were making money and what was kind of going on and not having a, an MBA or some sort of a financial education background. I really honed in on that part of the RA experience. So that was a real pivot point for me. And since then, you know, I've been able to learn through peers, good business practices, you know, company culture things, and, and obviously financials and making money. That's great.
0: So where do you think you're going in the future? It sounds like you guys have transitioned to design, build, you're doing larger projects than you used to. What's on the roadmap three to five years down the road? We're going through huge changes. I mean,
1: even two months ago, we I'll go back about a year ago, I purchased a building for our business, about 8,200 square feet. It's our new offices. And currently we're working on remodeling and opening up our 4,000 square foot showroom. That's where we plan on opening a projected date of October. So In a really good area, we're looking for 20% growth in revenue for the next few years, plus or minus a recession if there is one to come because people are speculating already. But we're looking to go to the $10 million level type of a business. But, you know, never lose quality is the key. And most importantly, not losing company culture, I think, is a big key as well. But that's what I see uh, in our future. So
0: you've mentioned culture a couple of times. I'm curious. It sounds like you definitely have have a focus, or you you're paying attention to that. So, how would you describe your culture, and and what do you do to kind of build and foster that?
1: And there's huge lessons to be learned in company culture, especially if you're the type of person that comes from out of the field and into a business environment. Today, not to bring it up, but like today, I had uh, an employee come in and say, "Hey, just a heads up. There's a, a you know a, a company in our area here, similar to ours, that's been trying to poach this one employee." And they offered him a substantial hike in salary just to steal him over. And he said, just to let you know, I don't want to leave here. He was almost in tears. He said, I, I just want to let you know what's going on. I'm sorry to bring this up, but I have to tell you, and I'm not leaving because I love it here. And the point being is that if you, whether you're small and you're you know a guy that works in the field with a couple of helpers or a couple of guys, or if you're a big $20 million company, it doesn't matter. Your company culture is so important in retaining employees, especially in a time like today where we're all complaining that there's no good people out there or you can't find any good carpenters. I think if you offer a comparable salary, but your company culture is tip top, you're you're going to be in good shape for the long run.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I'm curious, this specific example, we don't have to get way into it. Why do you think he said, I'm not leaving. Like, what is it about the culture that you guys have been building that you think ties back to that?
1: It's hard for me to give you a hard definition, but I can kind of give you little bits and pieces. Like for example, we don't micromanage here. So we have, I think our policy for vacation days is three full weeks, but we're actually moving to make our vacation policy completely open. So long as you get your work done, there's no need for me to be a bean counter on how many days you take off. So People here kind of feel like they have free reign to a certain extent, and as long as we work as a team and don't tax the next person down the line, and we work together and help each other out, work gets done. That's the most important thing. We also like to celebrate sales. We sell, we have celebration meetings. I think when people leave here, if they if they transition out, it's a really good transition out for them, and we all celebrate that as well. And then on a day to day basis, we're you know we're, we're very careful as far as who we let on the team through the hiring process. We're very slow to hire. We typically like hiring through referrals only. We try to avoid some of the large employer sites. And ultimately what we're looking for is people with that same type of, not same necessarily, but that kind of fit in with our with our click, I guess. You know, good sense of humor, easy going. I don't like hearing anything or I don't like hearing too much I, I, I in a job interview as in like, what's in it for me? What do I get? Who, who do I report to? I want to hear things. Well, what can I contribute to the team? Like, who am I going to be working with? So I'm looking for people that are, team oriented have a good sense of humor and are well experience and that team that that tends to give us like a really good kind of a, a clicks of bad word to use but it's almost like a good click vibe going on at lbk
0: yeah well i think good cultures have a little bit of cultish aspect to them or click they do. You know, so i, yeah, I don't think a it's a good way it. <laughs> yeah cool Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems and I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. You're coming up on close to a decade in business. What do you think surprised you the most about entrepreneurship in general?
1: Honestly, I don't really have any surprises only because I watched my parents in business for so many years and I've been through some of the ups and downs as far as cycles in in, in our economy. So like people, for example, people getting worried today and seeing inflation and seeing, you know, things on the pike maybe slowing down, like not surprised, that's inevitable. It's going to happen. I would say my biggest surprise is really the impact on, I feel like social media is having on the Thoughts and views on folks as far as being employees is concerned. I see that a lot of people that come on board, they're they're very interested in learning about opportunities to advance in their career, right? So it's like you can't expect to just hire people in a growing company and be like, I'm going to put you in this position for the next thirty years of your life, and that's where you stay. You can't really have it anymore. So I would say one thing surprised me is that people are looking for growth.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. We've definitely noticed that at our company too. Just it's like you get somebody in and they're like, in six months, they're like, what's my new title? Where's my pay raise? Like, what's going on? And you yep. know, <laughs> there's yep. a little bit of like, you want go-getters, but you also want to balance it with like, you got to go get it and go earn it too. And so interesting to hear you say that just because we've been talking about that a lot over here too. I got another question for you. I feel like there's always like a wacky client story or a weird project or something that you've bumped into over the years. Any Anything coming to mind that you can share? I mean, there's a
1: bunch I don't know which, which version of that kind of genre would you like? Would you like a crazy client? Would you like a good client?
0: <laughs> let's go, let's go crazy client, go wild. You know, the, crazy the, client. the but
1: obviously leave out, you
0: know, personal details and names and stuff. Crazy client. We had a crazy
1: client, and I don't mean to judge anyone and call them crazy or anything like that, but just for the short term summary, we had a client that what, what everything went well through contract signing and our contract and process structure things in a way that usually people who are looking I'm sure people have had this happen where you have, you know, a client that's great in contract. And then once we start construction, they're kind of things change a bit, or they try to take advantage and try to, do, you know, get some work scope creep out of you without you, you know, submitting change orders. Our process kind of weeds up those people see that and they see those blockades and they kind of be like, yeah, they, they move away from us, which is great. We had this one where we did like a whole second story, re- uh, re- renovation remodel for this person. And I, I guess she was on, you know, I, I don't know what she is, uh, categorized as as far as mentally or, or mentally or whatnot but i know she was on medication because she would tell us but there were some days where we would come in and she would disagree with the work so although we had all the documentation written up signed off on with selections and would literally throw a childhood style temper tantrum with stomping her feet on the ground and then banging wow. on the walls and then our lead carpenter would have to leave for about 15 or 20 minutes until she would calm down come back in and she would kind of act like nothing has ever happened. And this went on through the project probably four or five times. Wow. That's a crazy fine one
0: for you. Yeah, that that I'm sure that was challenging to force it. It was
1: quite challenging. And we never we never broke composure or yeah. professionalism. It's really easy to kind of get upset in those situations and do that. But everyone kept their cool. And she loves us. She ran ran in rave about us in reviews. We weren't sure what was gonna happen, but it, it was always good.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Good outcome.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good.
1: What do you think has been the most rewarding part of your journey so far? You know, I think there's two sides to that. There's like the client side for me. And then there's the employer side. The employer side is just... There's times where like I come out of my office and I hear laughing from the other side of the floor where... My wife is my, she's our, she's our estimator and she's our operations manager. And she's on the side there with our design team and project managers. They're shooting the breeze and they're laughing. And when I come out of my office and I hear that, and in my head, I know that people come to work to a place where like when they pull up in Monday morning, they're not like, crap, back to work, you know, from the weekend they're 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 ready to come in and have a good time. That makes me very happy. It makes me feel very whole as an employer. And then the other side too, is usually post-project. I like to have a small discussion with our client and I ask them, you know, Kind of like silly questions and you know, I don't know if I call them silly, but I was like, what did you enjoy best about working with us or why did you hire us? And when they start going into detail about how thorough we were in our process and how happy they are with the outcome, I still I can't get enough of that. I get a huge kick out of it and it reminds me of why I love the industry, the trade and the job that I do. It really makes me feel good.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Tough to beat that feeling for sure. I got a couple couple more questions to wrap us up. One is more like industry-wide, been asking everybody just like it's been bananas the last couple of years in our industry, you know, lots of change. There's some challenges, a lot of growth. What do you think are one or two challenges that we're facing as an industry, or you think we will be facing over the next, you know, one or two years that we really need to rally some solutions behind and not just kind of acknowledge that they're problems and hope they go away? (laughs)
1: That's a fantastic question. There's a huge, huge problem in our industry with skilled labor. I really see that as a, as a real potential problem. I mean, it's not even, it is a problem currently right now. and It's just going to get worse. I don't think, for whatever the reason is, and I, I think uh, social media is a large part of it, but you know, like all this Instagram and, and Facebook and just social media, in general, showing, showing each other lifestyles of greatness and vacation and all the good stuff. And not so much of the grind on a daily basis as far as our industry is concerned. I don't think a lot of people that are young want to get into the trades. I don't think they want to swing a hammer. I feel like they'd rather make $12 to $15 an hour sitting in air conditioning and being a cashier rather than making $40 an hour as a skilled HVAC tech or a carpenter or whatever the case may be. I think with rising prices in inflation, fuel, and just in general across with materials in the industry, there might be a slowdown in, let's say, an immigration, because a lot of the immigration pool is responsible for a lot of the labor jobs right now. So if immigration slows down, potentially, if our population doesn't really want to take on these types of jobs, who the heck's going to do the work in the next 10 to 20 years? We can design these great jobs and have these awesome clients that are ready to spend their money. But if nobody wants to do the work, we're going to run into trouble. So I think, I don't know, it was about 15 years ago. I think I remember nursing being a huge, huge thing. Like there's, there's no nurses. And everybody's going to nursing school, and now there's a million nurses, and, that, and that's great and everything. But I think there might be this whole cyclical thing going on where I think the cost of construction and building might go up because of the limited availability. And at some point, maybe it'll attract attention to the younger generation. Like, hey, you know, you can make fifty bucks an hour, or whatever the case may be. So I'm hoping some some of that kind of happens. But ultimately, Spencer, I don't I don't know. I think I think it's just I think we're in real trouble.
0: Yeah. It certainly feels that way. And I would say that is usually the top, if not in the top two answers that I get. And like you said, it's been happening for a while and it's a current challenge and it's, it's just getting magnified because yeah, nobody's going into trade schools. We've just been preached, like go get a four-year college degree, but now like people are coming out and that's just like a checkbox. It's not doing anything for, for kids these days. And they're just coming out with tons of debt. So yeah, it feels like we need like a, industry marketing campaign to to get the young blood in there. We need more Mike
1: Rose. Mike Mike Rose has been like a huge proponent of speaking on this very specific subject. I wish they could amplify his voice and get it even further out because he's talking about... He talks on all the great points about being a tradesman, how it can be a really great career. And I think we need more of that for sure.
0: Well, Nick, final question. If you could pass along any words of wisdom or leave other remodelers or business owners with a final piece of advice what would you say I think I'm going to go
1: back to company culture again getting the right team on board and then supporting them and doing things on a daily and weekly basis to show them that you care and that they're part of the whole fabric of your company is super important especially in today's market where people are poaching employees and coming after your people and dealing just dealing with with the, the current state of the economy super important with company culture
0: yeah yeah well said well nick thanks so much for joining me today and sharing your story My pleasure,
1: Spencer. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.